0: Welcome to the Experience Side Core Conversations. We look at marketing trends and customer experience challenges and discuss related technologies and successful implementations. This is Ahmed El-Yamani, engagement cloud product marketer in Core. So hello and welcome everyone to Experience Side Core Conversations. In today's episode, we are talking with some of the leaders behind several real cases and success stories who could bring some customer experience projects to life and successfully on track. Some strong business understanding and foundations to different technical ways to get over different challenges and obstacles. So in today's op- uh, episode, I'm hon- honored to have uh, Kimberly McCab, digital strategist and senior director in Akron. Welcome, Kimberly.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: And we from also from Akron. We have uh, Steve uh, Lemonstroff, uh, SVP uh, Customer Experience. Welcome, Steve. i happy to have uh, have you both.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here.
0: So both uh, Kimberly and Steve, um, have a wealth of knowledge and, and a long career in digital and customer experience projects. Um, and they both have talks about uh, Sitecore's customer experience strategy and digital transformation. Um, Kimberly also, uh, been a Sitecore uh, ambassador, MVP, uh, for the last three years and a wealth of um, career knowledge and experience between my leading roles in Google Sitecore cognified she, before she finally landed in Acrion. Uh, also, um, Steve got a uh, long leadership experience. Um been before uh, before the six years of managing Acrion. You've been a director for uh, several leading agency, including R2 Integrated and Vertec. So really honored to be talking to you both today, guys. Thank you. So maybe you will start with you, Kimberly, and I noticed that, uh, you, you studied philosophy and political science, I try to, to look at that from customer experience lens and, and see how did that help you in, in your customer experience, career and understanding of human?
1: Well, yeah, it makes me kind of laugh that you're asking the question now, because I'm part of a panel at PsyCore Symposium in October. And one of the questions that I'm answering. My answer is, you know, so when we're thinking about experiences, we're thinking about um, what people want, who people are, what kind of, you know, cultural influences affects them, and and the experiences we should make. Some of those things, we make very biased assumptions all the time. In fact, the way that marketing technology started was based on segmenting people and creating personas, but in a really biased way. So. I can get really caught up in the philosophical, you know, thought process about how we're helping ourselves or how we're self-defeating ourselves.
0: That, that, right. This was a lot of the challenges that we're talking about in, the, in today's, in today's world, as, as well as in the expectations of the customers to be treated as humans. So it's a, and maybe many of the convention, conventional ways that we've been following for the last 20 years, top of the funnel, down of the funnel, to have another for sure. look at that.
1: And Sometimes people think about philosophy in terms of, you know, the big philosophers. And you know, in the world right now where we're talking about privacy a lot and how we manage data and what is ethical and what's not, there's some very, you know, philosophical questions around that and understanding how can you create environments where people will actually do the right thing? And how will people actually feel like they're getting the right thing? And it's actually pretty complicated. Like with the data laws that are being created, they're only gonna be effective if the punishment for not adhering to those rules are effective. So you see it, it gets it's very weird, phil- it philosophical gets, uh, very easily. Quick, like, yeah.
0: And I see the whole thing is connected like a customer customer trust into brands. Absolutely. So, that, so taking that to you, Steve, we, we talked about now economy, and we talked about regulations, Okay, and 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 how how do you see the customer experience role in that world and of today's world, challenging world? How do you see the customer experience role um, within organizations' focus should be prioritized in this in this like landscape?
2: No, that's a good question. Um, What's well, interesting when we say landscape, you know, I kind of look at it all like you know. uh. AC right after COVID, you know, at least in my opinion, what we see in the marketplace though, is, um, it accelerated, you know, its need from, from, from organizations. Right. And so you had the majority of the population sitting at home, you know, trying to figure out this new path and new life for the last couple of years and their normal suppliers of information and content, such as like the news media, your Netflix, your streaming sites that, you know, they ran out of their supply, their inventory. Right. And so consumers and people look naturally at their brands that they relate to, like they went to Instagram, they went to TikTok, like, you you know, like I'm sure, you know, my six year old knows I use social media now because of you know, because of uh, uh of COVID. And so you, know, I, you used to go into an organization and say, hey, I, you know, I'm going to help you guys figure out e-commerce. Right. But now, you know, you have to go. And then next step, I'll figure out this and next step. And now it's like, you have to do all those things all at once, you know, you know, um, to, to, to meet the expectations of today's consumer, uh, today's customer. So, you know, if your plan was kind of focus on one channel and, and optimize that customer experience, you have to think a little bit more holistically now, like how do I work smarter so that I can optimize four channels all at once, kill four birds with one stone, if that makes sense.
0: You think it's a uh, change the priority of the digital transformation aspects. There's a, a larger focus on omni-channel and connection touch points with,
2: with clients. This is, would be a priority. I think there's a big shift in, we say digital transformation, but I also say, you know, kind of like the modern workplace, uh, kind of like, uh, change management around that realm of digital transformation, right? Because a lot of organizations, especially if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you know, or you're a part of the Psychor community, right? Like you have the technology, right? You know, you know the, the kind of classic, uh, quote, um, it's really like, how, how do we best leverage the technology now? Like what is the best strategy to move forward, to leverage our, you know, resources, how do we upskill our current resources to be more savvy, to leverage these tools, to kill those four words with one stone, right? And, you know, it could just be one really smart individual that has a strong knowledge set of how to use a product. like not to, uh, you know, <laughs> drop out like, like psycho product, but like, you know, if yeah. can yeah. orchestrate a campaign on Sitecore, you know, work with personalized and, and run campaigns, um, that's a powerful role right now, you know, a very marketable role, you know, in, 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 you know, especially mid market to enterprise.
0: We, we'll be talking about like your recommendations and the roles, that's, no, but yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, an inter- interesting one. Back to you, Kimberly, um, following up on that and looking at one of the articles you write, you wrote and it's about, I think, um, uncovering crux of issues for, uh, transforming the mindset of dealing with customers. So how, how would you think, uh, chief of customers experiences, um, should change their mentality, their mindset, uh, when like to cope with today's challenge?
1: I think it's more important than ever to put empathy. At the forefront, and to really understand people and what they're looking for, what why they need your product. And there's the the functional aspects, and then there's you know the, the social impact has become even greater in the last couple of years. Um, I think that's that's really what the focus should be on, because I think that a lot of personalization, a lot of customer experience, is created from. The company first, I want to sell XYZ to these personas. And I think that there's that very strong focus of what I want to do as a business, and not enough understanding of I know that people want my product, but why do they really want it? And how can I present it to them better? How can I make them understand my product more? How can I make them love my product because they can better use it? I mean, if you think about consumerism and how we buy things, sometimes we buy things because we think they're great. You know, I just bought a smokeless grill the other day. I'm sure there was a really good reason for why, right? Why I bought that versus something else. But on the box, it says there's four different things you can do. And and so far, I've just used one and it's great. But, you know, there's that opportunity to sell me on the rest of what this device can do for me, which if I feel like I'm getting all those four uses out of this device, then wouldn't that make me more loyal to that brand? Wouldn't it make me more likely to recommend this product? Right. But I think there's a lot of just, I'm going to sell you this feature and then I'm going to get you to buy it. And then that's it.
0: So, so I think there's a, a shift on the, on the way we should or reorder our organizations as well. It seems like the roles of our marketing and sales team might swap and the customer success. That's <laughs> so customer success. Well, I definitely. Yeah.
1: There's a convergence, right? And in, in my career, I've, you know, converged both of those those sides and and almost for that reason, because I felt that there are different parts of companies that didn't understand, they didn't have a complete view of the customer, right? So working in sales, sometimes you you understand what the challenges are of actually getting people to buy. And I feel that very strongly in business to business. But at the same time, if you have a marketing team that doesn't understand your ideal customer, then you'll have friction. You'll be sending the wrong messaging. And so I think anybody, you know, that will watch this that's been in sales or marketing would understand you have conflicts between a sales team saying, I need this. This is what my customer wants. This is what they care about. And the marketing team saying, but this is what we want to sell. This is what we want to market. And this is what we think people are doing. And then the salesperson says, but I'm the one talking to the customer. I'm actually engaged with them. I have a better idea of what they want. I mean, that, that kind of friction happens sometimes, right? Steve is laughing because he, he knows he's been there. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. I see that as one perspective of it. And and also operations follow budgets follow. Priorities follow, it, it's a challenge. Maybe Steve, like, what, what, do you think? Like, do you have a t- tips on this? How did you said, seems like you solved it in your organization and you consulting for other organization. How would you advise your clients to solve this? Um,
2: those? well, I, we try to really educate our clients and, you know, if they're gonna go down a path of, say quote unquote, digital transformation or, or rethink the business or, or even if it's just, Hey, like, let's everyone's looking at us online now. Let's, let's get a better looking, more monitor appealing, more frictionless kind of custom, you know, website. Um, I think there's this, uh, shit that, that you really needs to be focused on around like ROI, right? Because I hear this a lot of what's the ROI on that initiative, right? You know, you're gonna invest a hundred thousand, 200,000, half a million dollars. What's the ROI gonna be? Um, and I feel like that's a little short sighted, you know, given how volatile our world is right now, you know, it's kind of, um, the business case that, um, being smarter about that business case, because, you know, saying, Hey, I want to spend half a million dollars on a new website, you know, that's not gonna sell it to the board, you know, but, but say, you know, I want to spend half a million dollars on a new website that is gonna help us, you know, grow into these four new audience segments, uh, communicate with them, you know, uh, in a much more personalized manner right um ultimately will lead to a higher conversion rate but i I can't give you that number right now right because i have to build it i have to test it and then we have to optimize it then we have to iterate on it and i feel like um there's got to be this kind of uh you know model where you know of course you can earmark some type benchmark roi but like to to ask a marketer in today's environment to say here's what i'm going to get in return i think it's like too difficult for, for them to make that business case. And it's limiting the experimentation and the innovation that comes from the brand. Right. Because then the only thing they can do is go back to the reasonable playbook that, you know, is proven, um, that, that may produce results at 4%, you know, when this idea could have been maybe 30%, but that's some of the thinking that I've been talking to my clients about or, or helping them, you know, like we use our, you know, our analysts to help them give like some data to make the best hypothesis you know, in that business case, like based on this data, based on this rationale, based on our own analytics, we're making this hypothesis with this investment, you know, and, and here's what we're benchmarking at. And so like you do, of,
0: you do deliver them some, you get, you give some numbers as well. Like you don't, you don't just leave the room if you. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: no, not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, finger in the air. <laughs> um, yeah, no, based like, look, you give me like a, for instance, this is a bit, you know, I can't name drop the, the client, but we, you know, we had a client that was one of the largest. Yeah, you know, it's one of the largest art galleries in the world. Um that you know, and they're on site for as a platform. Uh fifty-five percent of their revenue, you know, is generated through the physical interaction of an art fair, of a massive show in Miami, like an art basel. Um, COVID hits, right? All physical events are gone. That is an immediate erasure of fifty five percent of their revenue. Like, what do you do? You know, and and 50-50. You don't know when this is gonna end. And so that that's a real situation that this company was put in. Um, luckily three months before COVID, we actually just migrated them onto for Um and and spent three months training their staff uh on how to use the platform. But like, you know, we had this, we had the technology, right? Like going back to that like you know classic quote. Um and and so what what really helped though is the the brand, the organization really understood their audience, right? And they had to figure out, okay, well, our audiences loved, you know, what they went to the physical event for was the experience, you know, this, the, the physical experience, uh, seeing the art, touching the art. So, so how do you bring that virtually? And, and, and we couldn't do this as a technology, as a, a, you know, help them build and help them, you know, ensure it's, it's performant and the page loads and no one has any issues. Right. Um, but they, they produce some beautiful content, right? Content became their product during this time, not the art. Um, getting really up close renderings of the art. So you almost feel like you're touching it, but you're not, it's on a screen. Um, and then we, we basically launched a, a program of these virtual experiences that, that ended up being a thought leadership in, in the art space. Right. And, and, you know, kudos to the leader of that company, because if you, you know, at that time of experimentation, like no one had any benchmarks, no one had any numbers of what the virtual experience would look like or pull in in terms of revenue. We ended up selling a $1.8 million piece digitally online, highest, you know, luxury item. So, so we couldn't give numbers, but what we understood was the audience was there physically, the audience was also online, right? And so we took the brand information and knowledge they had, took our tech competency and we married that to, to, to build this beautiful experience that ultimately didn't bring back that 55% revenue but allowed that company to survive over the last two years throughout COVID.
0: Can you just repeat that number? How much is that art piece? You
1: heard it well, right.
2: <laughs> it's a $1.8 million. So
0: the customer went online, put his, yeah, card, it there. Credit card number.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Not, not precisely, but uh, you know, there's a, there's a workflow that, okay, that yeah. you're gonna buy that, you know, inquiry workflow. Buy that.
0: Is, is this the one that you got the, the award 2022 Psycor uh, partner award for?
2: The... Uh, no, no. So that was the uh, New York Roadrunners. Uh, no, not a lot of people know that brand, but a lot of people know the New York City Marathon, which, um, uh, is their, um, agency record, you know, manage their front end, back end systems. Uh, they're built on top of site um, uh, L- look
0: at these two case studies. Like I'm, I'm impressed with the way you look into the business terminologies and, uh, the specifications of, of your client world because you are still a customer experience see, you really dive into their world and understand that Do you see, this is an important thing to do or it happens naturally just when you, start part of the analysis.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. So, you know, and that's kind of where I came from, where Kimberly comes from. Um, and, and in that space, what really matters and what you know, is the customer, right. And, and understanding the journeys of customers, understanding your personas. Um, right time, right place, right medium, right. Going back to the four P's, all our, you know, one-on-ones we get to focus on the customer, right. We get to focus on their business, which is why I would say, you know, our entire client roster, you know, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the the show Halt and catch fire, but there's like a famous scene in the beginning where the guy says, I'm not gonna apologize for being more passionate about your business than your own employees are like, that's my favorite line (laughs) that I tell to the C-suites of my clients, because. Yeah, we truly do learn their business up and down, you know, vertically and horizontally.
0: Yeah, then you try to replicate the same for them, basically. Right? Try to let them understand it firstly, to, to bring it up digitally. I think that Absolutely. would where Where you Kimberly come, comes in, I think do do you, do you get involved in the implementation and delivery phases, like trying to understand your customers, customers, and help them building the awareness, building the personas.
1: For sure. I can give you examples from, you know, talking to customers early on, coming to us and saying, um, we want to use Sitecore, we are challenged with creating personalization, and we feel like um, I've been burned so many times, we, you know, bought this platform before, not Sitecore, something else, and we were never able to make personalization work. And to me, it's like, yeah, I've heard that so many times over and over and over again of people buying platforms, building websites, launching them, and, and never really getting further than that. And so you, to me, first of all, I want to understand what was your plan like for for building personalization? What other data sources did you have? What were you trying to achieve? What does your, your competitor look like? What are they doing? Does it seem like they're more successful? or? I mean, I think that there's a lot of depth that we want to know at iCreon right out of the gate to understand. So for someone that I was talking to recently, I was basically saying, look, these are the platforms that you have. Here's how all these different platforms could integrate into Sitecore. Here's how you could get more information, you know, throughout the journey. Because when you're talking about personalization and this company's case, they're really, you know, it's really what a lot of people would call, you know, account-based marketing or account based sales, right? Where they're focused on very specific types of companies and and they really need to create a long term journey and relationship. You know, really trying to understand people early in the process before we even get to the build part. Mm-hmm. So and I think a lot of the time customers come to the table saying, I have I want to get this platform and I want to build it and I want to do a redesign. And you're kind of saying, okay, slow down. There's a lot to understand first. I mean I just want to say this for anybody listening, stop trying to put discovery into like a week or two, or just, you know, I feel like people try to squeeze discovery into the smallest amount of time possible. And it's probably where a lot of projects are set up to fail.
0: Yeah. Steve, how does that impact like the team you build for uh, each project? Do you, do you have a setup for digital rescue teams or?
2: uh, Um, so we're pretty flexible, you know, we try to really understand, you know, the complexity of the challenge that our client has. And, and, you know, depending, you know, we've worked with anything from small nonprofits to startups to fortune 50 enterprises. And so, you know, every process is slightly different. So we, we have a typical setup of like a 12 person, agile team for your, you know, traditional, um, end to end. Let's call it a net new implementation of a platform, right? Yeah, you know, that would consist of kind of like a, a, strategy, you know, your business analysts, uh, UX designers, um, certified site engineers, uh, depending on like what the build looks like, you know, needs react or headless. Like you may have a couple of different skill sets in there, you know, your, your DevOps and your, your QA and everything. Um, there's scenarios where the client may actually have internal skill sets. Uh, so, so in that case, we kind of like try to still meet that need of the 12 person agile team that's going to move the train. Um, but we kind of fit, you know, depending on the skill sets on the other side. So there's been cases where. They're, you know, they're like, Hey, we got the personas. We're going to do all the customer research ourselves. We just want you to build, you know, and in that case, you know, we found a great way to use kind of like what we call agile ish, you know, it's not like kind of it's pure agile manifesto form. Um, there is a little bit of like a waterfall iteration The early requirements, like Kimberly said, like, let's not do two weeks of discovery, jump into a sprint cycle. Let's try to get a bigger vision for what we want to build at the end of the tunnel. Um, but then when it comes down to like, actually getting to the engineering process, let's, let's keep that iterative. Let's keep it predictable. Uh, if it's an assignment that's more about, Hey, you know, we, and this is kind of a fairly new assignment that we've been seeing a lot lately. Um, we built everything now show us how to run, right? Like how, how do we run everything now, <laughs> you know? And so. That's a little bit more on the strategy side, less more on the technical side, because, you know, just like the SaaS, a beautiful SaaS product, like, you know, you should be able to do everything in the product, right? It's more about how to implement it, how to configure it, how to, how to, how to, what what is the strategy there? Um, and, and that's kind of a different functional team, uh, and outlook, you know, versus the, the technical side. Did you, then didn't
0: you need to come back to the management and justify the investment that you promised in the beginning? And after some time, yeah. Yep. Like you're showing that number, some numbers out of the path analyzer, maybe analytics BI tools or stuff like that. Maybe,
2: um, yeah, I give be like a, for instance, uh, we had a client that was a commercial, a very large commercial insurance. Uh, a main question from the top, you know, at the board level, a C suite is, uh, you know, who's our audience that comes to our website? Like they couldn't answer that question. Right. Um, they, you know, they predominantly produce business through brokers or referrals or direct clients. Right. Uh, but they didn't know if brokers went to the website or if it was businesses that went to the website. Mm-hmm. So, so something that we did, like, you know, that when you think about it, when you tear it down, it's really not that hard to set up, you know, but we used the profile keys in site for like, for Boolean logic, just to say like, are you a broker or are you a, a, a business right on the homepage? So then for what it was coming to the homepage, you know, they were a broker, they clicked on a broker and then what it did is just subtly personalized all the headlines, um, so it gave that instant gratification back to the user that they clicked on a button and they saw experience. But what was more important about that little campaign, um, was capturing that data Mm -hmm. inside like, it that told us who's coming to the website because it was critical for the rest of the platform strategy. Um, and, and we can guess at it, but if people self profile themselves and just You know self-selected we were like all right this is the data uh and it came back and it was like you know it wasn't skewed it was like, it was like 58 percent was clients 15 percent were brokers but that was still mind-boggling for their c-suite because they just they they actually assumed no clients ever went to the website so it actually shifted a big portion of how they're going to go to market over you know and this was like a couple years ago um how they went to market over you know next two three years with content strategy because initially they were going to just build a you know a content formula for the referral and the broker business audience, but it's a completely, you know, if I'm talking about like a construction business or if I'm talking about like manufacturing business, like completely different content strategy, themes, use topics, uh, voice and tone. you know,
0: that puts a point at, again to the customer experience and, and towards what your audience expect from you. I think i I think really, I I read something for you. You, you wrote about design thinking seize to understand your customers and uh, react quickly based on that rebuild, build build the application, build your solutions in an agile way side by side with your clients. So, um, uh, did you get the opportunity, do you get the opportunity usually to apply these methodologies, the theory within the application? Uh, One of the things I think about other than mostly the the AB testing, like this is, this is the way you, because you test the experience. What's your take on that?
1: Uh, well, so design thinking is kind of, you know, I think has become the ethos of, of you know, what I, I think about or how I think and how I look at projects. Um, so, the, and it really does help steer you towards having an empathetic understanding of somebody. But no matter what, you're still making some assumptions until you're testing things. So this is what the customer wants but is this gonna generate revenue for us? Is it worth the investment? Or is that just, hey, sorry customer, like it's it's never gonna work for us to to deliver that experience that you wish you had. Um, but once you you start moving down that funnel, you can start applying more of the technology and understanding how to use it or understand what data is lacking. And at some point you start building testing into it, right? So on a completely different example, I had a client, that believes they had an issue with capacity, and I love this story because they had it really wrong in a lot of ways um but they thought if you know people when they're traveling, they want to go to a lounge that's really nice people you know everybody feels like the you know it's a status symbol to be able to go into an for a lounge right at least that's how it was before and you know, for credit card companies, it was a way to sell, you know, to a top tier client, like, hey, get our card, you get into this, you know, fancy airport lounge. But then they started sending too many people into mm-hmm. these lounges and there's not enough capacity. So how do you feel when you feel like, hey, I'm going to the airport lounge, I'm super cool. And then you get there and there's this queue. And, or somebody says, oh, no, sorry, we're at capacity. You can't come in and you don't get to use your benefit. Right. And this is what was happening. But the problem was that a lot of people actually didn't care about the lounge. They just wanted the free stuff and they were going to go into the lounge and be rowdy. And they were going to go open the fridge and take a bunch of cans and stick them in their backpack. And, and, you know, for real, this is what people were doing
0: for the people. Right. And
1: so there was this complete misunderstanding about what people were doing and how to redirect people. So. The other challenge is you've got to have real-time data sometimes to figure out, okay, do we need to redirect people away from the lounge? Because, you know, it's already paid for in a sense, right? You're already buying this benefit. If you're redirecting people to some other experience, then maybe that becomes another cost, or maybe it's not creating the right experience, right? So you have to use something like testing to figure out if your hypotheses are correct. If If there's a queue and it's longer than this number of people, and I can see that in real time, I can see who this customer is, I have an understanding of their profile, can I redirect them somewhere else? And that will maintain the level of relationship that I want them to have with us. Or would they be happy to stay there? They would prefer to wait in that queue and get in inside the lounge. Or if I told them, well, actually, you know, if you pay $20 extra, then you can jump the queue or something like that, right? But there is these types of situations where you have to have a really good understanding of not just your customer, but of the peripheral. So I I often talk about the optimal value proposition and understanding how what you're doing as a business is impacting your partners and suppliers and and your customers, right? In order to create the best experience business-wise for everyone. So- you can see, I can go off on a tangent on that because I get very passionate about it. So, that, that, that's <laughs> that, yeah,
0: hitting the right point. Then, so a, yeah, the, and, and I believe the challenge always be be like that: maturity, budget, readiness, understanding of the business you are working with, the organization, the institute, and the organization you're working with to to take that on. Especially where we, if we are talking digital, so I can not queues be digital queues. Maybe that would be hosting capacity stuff like that. Like Steve, what's your um, opinion on the utilization of AI in this? Like, as I guess I recently within Sitecore Sand and within Sitecore CDP trying to use AI a lot to, to help in A-B testing and auto segmentation of clients. You generally, how do you think AI in real life cases could help you like yeah, d- deliver these kind of ideas easier to your clients?
2: No, absolutely. Um... Well, AI is only as good as, as the inputs that are going into it, right? You know, it, you, know, you got to ensure your data is clean because, like, if it's just a bunch of taxonomy that makes absolutely no sense, the AI is just going to spit out a bunch of stuff that doesn't make that. Um, and, and and, so, you know, it, it's a big piece. Like, before you go down that path of, you know, understanding how you plan on using it, and then you have this AI layer, you know, and, and CDP and personalized are very interesting to me um, because, you know, now we can say, hey, look, we're going to put through a website and then we're going to personalize in two weeks. Right, like, you know, we can just do it, you know, and gift it. Right. Like, but, yeah, you know, it, it it requires less configuration. Um, and, and, and this big, so it's not uh, the you page know, level
0: anymore. It's, uh, it's, right, it's, it's, right, it's right. decoupled. Right.
2: Right. So, and and also, you know, the, the old, uh, you know, if you know how to do outlook rules, you know, you can do psycho rules. Well, uh, you know, no one knows how to do outlook rules anymore. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, but uh, I, I find it very interesting because like, um, you know, CDP, like uh, if you could think about some of the segments that CDP can broadcast into the experience, and then you can kind of personalize off that or, you know, leveraging your first party data plus third party data. Um, there's some really interesting things that you can do. I'll Give you an example. You know, we have one of our clients is um, a mid-market tool company. Uh, they manufacture, you know, tools. Uh, anything from, uh, like power tools to like hand tools. Um, and, and it's, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do is we were launching a new go-to-market product, uh, brand new product. Um, essentially, you know, it was like a tape measure with a special laser on it. So it combined two products in one. It was like I I don't know if you know, like a distance measure type of laser distance measure. Well, yeah, I don't want to sell you the product, but it's a good product. Um, yeah, you know, but, I, but one of the things. It's your natural, it's your, it's your tip, typical manufacturer, you know, distribution dealer relationship. So, so they sold in Walmart, they sold on Amazon, they sold at Target, they sold at Ace Hardware, right? You know, pretty much any big box retailer had this product. Um, and so when you went to their website you know, as a brand, it would say like, where to buy, right? It would send you like to go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's, go to Ace Hardware. Um, What we wanted to do on the landing page for the websites, for the website to drive more foot traffic to their distribution partners was use um, customer data platform affinity relationships in terms of the segments. Because actually we found a data set that could tell us, you know, based on doing some research and I'm not going to like any, I'm not going to give away any IP, but like I could tell you if you were more, if you have more of an affinity to buy at Home Depot versus Walmart. And then what we did is we used that data to on that landing page to pull in the reviews from Home Depot or the reviews from Amazon or the reviews from Walmart, like the stars and like how many sales they've had to personalize that landing page experience for where you were likely going to buy the product. Um, and what we actually did see was an increase of 12% to 48% on our click-through rate to the vendor, to, to drive the traffic, right. Which was the KPI of the campaign. Cause it was about driving foot traffic to the point of sales, not to direct to the customer. So it's just, inter- you know, that was a, a true example of leveraging like CDP data. Yeah. An interesting case because
0: so of course, trying to build generalized cases of this, but you, you build your specific thing. That's, that's lovely to know that. Yes, yeah, so since, for example, trying to do that, but more in a more generic case, like identifying the more prospective profitable segments. But yes, yeah, because if you know the business domain and the specifications of the customers, then you get.
2: Sometimes you can you know, just do it very, you know, that it doesn't have to be this big, horizontal and vertical personalization strategy sometimes be very tactical. You know, let's say you have like a form on the page, a landing page. If I filled out that form before. Like, why are you going to show me the form again? Like use that state to show me new content, show me something new from the brand or the organization, right? That's like a very simple personalization rule that anyone that owns like a product can configure. Uh, or if you have like a fresh release or a news, like time-based rules based on what date, like you can do some cool things on that page, you know. Uh, if it's like uh an event, you know, in the event pass, like. Change the landing page now to show content for the fact that the event no longer exists, right? <laughs> like, you know, those are very simple, tactical things that you can do today with the systems you probably own. If you're listening to this, uh, here you go. Just like uh, a
0: minute minutes before we go start getting these tips yeah. from here. So uh, uh, really, thank you guys for all of these insights and knowledge. Before we go, I have a couple of like, I, I would not say questions, I kind of section trying to embed big cases and big problems and challenges facing our world today, from economical challenges to war, to climate change, to poverty, to a lot of like a lot of things, digital, digital overuse and stuff like that. I maybe give it to you now, like for, for a minute or two, each of you could pick one of these things like really worries you. And what, how do you think us as technologists and customer experience leader as at least few steps to, to make world a better place? Kimberly, maybe.
1: Well, I mean, in the line with the panel that I'm going to be on at Symposium, um, where we're we're sort of going to be touching on diversity issues and inclusion and, you know, what we need to think about in terms of, you know, how we're creating experiences, personalization and, and, and so forth. I think that, you know, there's a lot of societal changes that are happening. Um, they're very diverse. Um, they differ depending on where you are in the world. Um, I mean, I've lived in four countries and, and I see that in f- these four places, those issues are are different. They have their own personas in a way. I think we need to get better at being able to talk about these issues. We need to get better at understanding what may be true in our backyard isn't true for everybody else. And, you know, I think just that idea of making the world, including work, more inclusive, where we can communicate more easily. I think that's huge.
0: Ever yes. inclusion, definitely double in that. Um, so thank you, Kimberly, Steve, maybe.
2: Uh, think, like, degradation of, um, you know, of our attention spans is, is something yeah. that we need to be concerned about from. Yeah. There was a time where the entire internet was enamored by six second videos, yeah. not just 30 second videos. Right. Yeah. And it was like the creation of vine, which essentially got acquired. Um, so now we de- we don't have six second videos. We have 15 seconds, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it, it's a gen like it's both an opportunity and also a challenge because, um, you know, you could produce less and and get more, right? Like if you you could figure out the equation, right, in terms of your audience and their attention span, uh, serving them an email that doesn't have to be a 10 article newsletter, right? It can just be a paragraph of information that they find valuable and key of like delivering that perspective or what you're trying to say as short as possible, as succinct as possible and on the right medium is is a challenge right now. So. Uh, you know, that's something I'm just definitely, you know, we work, you know, especially in B2B in certain industries. It's like, how can we leverage the power of some of these mechanisms? And like, rethink some of that, you know, it's, it's definitely a challenge for, for how, you know, when we move forward over the next couple of years.
0: Interesting point and then perspective on it. Thank you so much and that, Steve. It's like, um, I'd like to thank you both actually for, for accepting this invite. We, we, it was it was a pleasure talking to you. Wealth of knowledge on the on the subject matter and uh, and tips, starting from environment down to the technicalities, and hopefully our uh, audience would uh, would like it. So uh, any any last uh, thoughts before we go? Like maybe maybe a recommended read, uh, and you want to share with our
2: uh, audience. Um, I just recently read an old PsychCore white paper about digital profiling that's still very relevant for how to set up <laughs> digital profiling, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, no, we're excited you know, I created represented over, uh, we're going to be at the PsychCore Symposium, Kimberly and I both, um, we're, we're a sponsor, we have a few different tracks, um, I'll be speaking with uh, Johnson Controls, uh, Major BB uh, Manufacturer, Kimberly will be speaking at a panel, <laughs> okay, yeah, right. <laughs> I felt that on.
1: and uh and paul our colleague paul miser is also going to be um speaking i think he's speaking on ultra fabrics and speaking of books he has a pretty good one on on digital transformation so yeah, just you can google that. Can check that out i think name? it's called digital transformation and in the infinite loop I know I have that almost right and not yeah. perfectly. Okay. So. <laughs> I,
0: I, I put that in the description. <laughs> <laughs> I love And I dig that out and put it in the description. <laughs> thank you so much. for really. <laughs> So thank you again and please for uh, our listeners listeners today, uh, also play, ma- firstly make sure that you follow uh, Kimberly McCabe on, on, her, on her interesting newsletter on, on LinkedIn if you're not in the symposium. If you are, please go and uh, Say hi to the guys and, and make sure that you, you attend their, their sessions. And please stay tuned for our uh, next episodes where we're talking about marketing and business challenges and how, how technical technology can help get us realistic solutions. Um, and don't forget to subscribe if you like that content. And if uh, if you have any feedbacks, please let us know to make things better for for next times. Thank you so much and talk to you next time.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you for having us.